0: When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a
1: beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast.
0: Alright, welcome everyone to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast podcast. I'm excited for today's episode it's always fun when we have guests on the show and today we've got a really awesome guy dr. Jared Schmidt how you doing Jared good Derek how are you doing well Jared is in Florida and I'll let him kind of introduce himself but very quickly Jared started his own practice Worked through TLP Academy and then we worked together for 12 months on growing, continuing to grow his practice. We've finished that and now we're just working quarterly to kind of keep checks on things and keep moving forward the direction that we want to go. So I'm really excited. It's always fun to have clients on the show to give their personal experiences of what it's like to be in the trenches and to go through things. So I'm excited to have you on, Jared. Thanks for thanks for sharing. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I'm excited to be here with you, Derek. Before we get into things, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, going to dental school, kind of the events in your life leading up to ownership.
1: I grew up in Wisconsin. Always knew I kind of wanted to leave, so I ended up going to dental school over in Bradenton, Florida, which is LeCom, and just kind of fell in love with Florida. I always kind of knew that I wanted to own a practice and just right when I graduated, I tried to buy a practice. It just really didn't work out. And then uh, I started working at Aspen, which was in a lot of ways a great experience. And then other ways that I, I wish it had been a little bit better, but I would actually recommend it and I wouldn't change having worked there. But the whole time I was working there, I was doing everything I could to either purchase or do a startup. And I just really wasn't finding anything good to purchase in the area that I wanted to live, which was right around West Palm Beach. And then I ended up starting up. It took me about it took me about two years. So two years after graduating, I opened the doors of uh, my practice, which would have been, what, August of 19, so just a couple of months before COVID.
0: You graduated 2017 then, right? Yep.
1: I yeah. graduated 2017.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about some pros and cons. Were so you were you with Aspen like in the same practice that full two years? So they moved me around a
1: little bit, but I was mostly in in one practice. Gotcha. And that was just a little bit, a little bit north of me. So that was from my door to that Aspen office was seventy three miles. So I did that pretty much every day for two years, all wow. trying to open. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that was that was grueling, but it was worth it.
0: Yeah. Maybe real quickly, it'd be interesting to hear what are some of the pros and cons that come to your mind? I mean, because I think a lot of people, we hear things about Aspen. I think a lot of docs, when you hear about Aspen, it's high treatment plans and more kind of salesy office and stuff like that. Was that your experience? And if so, what did you learn from it? What are some of the pros and cons of that experience for you? You're seeing a ton of patients, And
1: it is a little bit more salesy, you know, they have like, I don't know if they're exactly salespeople, but they have people come in and kind of coach you through treatment plan presentation or new patient experience, things like that. But we relied really heavily on like a, maybe an office manager or a treatment plan coordinator who would then present the, like the actual finances and go through that. And there was a lot of push involved in it. I wasn't huge on, but I learned a lot from it. I mean, I did a ton of dentistry there. So Aspen's like a franchise in my, they call them POPs, but they're like the owners. They were probably two of the best leaders I've I've ever worked with outside of you. And I wish I would have kind of learned a little bit more from them. So Aspen does have some very strong leaders. So if you do end up working there, you got to try to learn from them. I just didn't really realize that so much of success would hinge on on leadership.
0: I think that's a great point a lot of times we can have this taste in our mouth or this idea of anything and it can be in any industry in any way. But, you know, we have these kind of initial impressions. But to realize that you can learn from anyone and everyone. This morning, I've shared before, but we read The the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And this morning, I was sharing with the kids just how we can learn something from everyone, even if there's kids that are bullying us or people that are are negative or whatever like we can we can learn from those experiences and those people too so anyway thanks for sharing that i think that's a great point that wherever you're at find the strengths of people around you and learn what you can from them. yeah
1: absolutely
0: okay so You got to the point of starting a practice, didn't find something that you wanted to purchase, decided to start from scratch. Talk a little bit about that in the beginning and how how soon into that did you go through TLP Academy? How did that help in structuring and creating the practice the way that you wanted it to be?
1: The first few months of my startup were pretty brutal. I think I just kind of figured I'd try as much marketing as possible, just throw as much out there and just see what kind of. Came my way. I think I did most of my marketing incorrectly, and so I think it was. I was sitting on my parents' couch in uh, Wisconsin when I was home for Christmas, and I mean, I I had almost no money in my business account. I was pretty nervous. I I thought maybe I'd be in. I'd end up living in the practice, and I'd always listened to uh, your podcast, and then I was also in your. Uh, what was it, ambitious dental students? Yeah, when I was in school, was that on? That was on a Dental Town, right? And so I was like, okay, I was real nervous about doing one-on-one coaching, so I kind of settled on uh, your cheaper option, which was TLP Academy. And I remember being super nervous about spending. I think it was, I don't even know what it was, four hundred, five hundred bucks a month, and I was like terrified about doing that. But yeah. was, <laughs> that was it. Was a fantastic decision, and I mean, right now that probably wouldn't even be a rounding error. So very, very glad that I that I did that. But that just kind of took me from a point where I really didn't know like how to operate like the day-to-day in my practice. I was really just winging it. And in a startup, it's like you're not seeing a lot of patients. So if you, if you aren't set up properly, you don't have things really like well tacked down, like you don't really notice it. And so to kind of have these short videos that I'd watch in the morning while I'm eating breakfast before I go into the office. And it it really, really helped me to kind of structure the office. And it also it was like it got me pumped up to start the day. And then we'd start morning huddle and we'd we'd all be excited and we kinda had more of direction to take the office. It really, really helps. And that's when we really tacked down our new patient experience. I mean I remember we were doing trainings on new patient experience pretty much every week, just trying to get that as The best possible.
0: One thing that I really liked this last time when we went back through the old modules of TLP Academy and kind of revamped everything before the modules were just like one hour modules and sessions where there was no checkpoints or anything. It was like, you just start to finish each hour at a time. And so we broke it down into these five minute, two to five minute clips where they're very bite size and easy to, to search for specific things and stuff like that. So I'm glad to hear that it comes across that way and and made it easier for you to digest and and apply as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some, some of my, I think my favorite ones were your treatment plan presentation one, because I knew that a lot of the like functional aspects of my practice weren't great, but I thought that I was great at treatment plan presentation. I'd worked at Aspen, you know, it's like you produce so much in a month that you kind of think that you do really, really well at that. And what I didn't realize, well, when you see 300 new patients in a month, if you only capture a third of them, that's, you know, it's not that, that huge of a deal. Whereas if you're a new practice and you're seeing 20 new patients a month, when you have a miss and you don't connect with that patient and get them to accept treatment, it, it, it hits you a lot harder. Yeah. So I kind of, Move back from being more salesy to kind of doing what you've recommended, where it's more along the lines of telling them the options, telling them the the consequences of not doing something, making a recommendation and then and then having allowing that patient to re- decide and not feel pressured and that's that's when acceptance for me has gone way up.
0: I remember having those conversations with you in the beginning with you talking about how you had kind of like almost like this intuitive sales approach where it was really trying to convince the patient that this is what they should do or or something like that. But then you also shared that you didn't like that. You didn't like that when someone else was like that to you, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I hate when people do that. I think most people do, but that's yeah. what I was doing. Cause that's, that's kind of what I was taught. That's what I felt had worked. And when you have to sit with somebody and say, you know we have to do this today or as soon as possible and you're like well no it's probably be all right for a year
0: <laughs> yeah really for me what it comes down to is just really trying to be honest you're trying to find this balance and on one end of the spectrum is being very aggressive and telling the patient that they need all this work done and that they need to do it now where you overwhelm the patient and they get scared and never want to come back and then on the other end of the spectrum you're not presenting nearly what you should. You're being very reactive instead of proactive with treatment recommendations and diagnosing. And so in my opinion, it's it's about finding a balance somewhere in the middle where you can be completely honest and let the patient know everything that you're seeing, but you're still going to listen to the patient, hear out their concerns. And if they say they really don't want to do it and they're okay with accepting the consequences that they may end up losing that tooth. That's totally fine. We, we have to accept as dentists and clinicians that our responsibility is not to get everybody to have ideal, perfect teeth and mouths. Our job is simply to let them know what their options are and help them make the best decision for them.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's move on a little bit. So you were able to step things up a little bit. TLP Academy gave you the direction and kind of the, the ground rules for creating the systems that you wanted in your practice. So at what point, how did you decide that to take it a step further and to do one-on-one coaching? I felt
1: like I, I took TLP Academy very, very far. I implemented pretty much everything. I did it pretty quickly. I just, I felt like I could get to another level and TLP Academy was great at like building a practice and structuring it, how it should be structured. But I felt like you know, obviously, you guys make recommendations about leadership and books to read and things like that. But I, I knew that I could, I could become a better leader. And in reading those books, you kind of realize that everything that you're taught in terms of becoming a leader, or everything that you see growing up, whether it's through school or perhaps in, you know, with your parents, the leader is like this authority figure that you need to be afraid of. And I, I kind of knew that based on the books that you guys told me to read, that that was not really what needed to happen. And so, I wanted to kind of push myself and, and take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, that's great. I have mentioned before, and I always think of the quote by Jim Rohn, that you are basically an average of the five people that you associate with the most. No matter what that is in life, whether it's politics or religion or financial status or health habits, anything like that, you can look at the five people you're around the most and you are probably an average of those. So what that means is that by working with a coach, you basically put one of those people in your life and you increase your likelihood of becoming like that person. And so if you can find someone that's gonna stretch you and help you grow, it's a really, really big opportunity.
1: Oh yes, yeah. that was a huge change for me.
0: I don't know if you remember, but when you first reached out to me and said that you enjoyed TLP Academy, you wanted to start working together one-on-one coaching, you said that you wished that looking back that you would have just started one-on-one coaching from the very beginning. Now that you've done TLP Academy on its own and you've done one-on-one coaching, do you still see it the same way or do you look at it as they each had their kind of time and place? What are your What are your thoughts?
1: Hindsight's always twenty-twenty, but I think they're They're both extremely valuable. I mean, I got so much out of TLP Academy that at that time, if I were doing it again, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would have done it any differently because it was just it was so much more feasible for me in terms of finances. And it did it did so much more because I think had I started with you right off the bat, Maybe we wouldn't have gotten into as much that we really got into, and I don't know that I could have improved quite as much because I spent. Why, when did I start with you? I started. I think I did about a year of TLP Academy, just just under before I went to one-on-one coaching. So I really, I took all of, kind of the soup to nuts of my practice and got that all out of TLP Academy. So then once I started with you one-on-one, we could really focus on how to get my practice to exactly what I wanted it, which was I think we talked about down to three days a week, decreasing overhead. I think we talked about collecting, I think it was about 1.8 million. And that's, that's pretty much what we accomplished. And had we had gone back and, and just started with coaching, we probably would have started with some smaller things, whereas I really got that out of the way with TLP Academy.
0: Those are all really great points. I guess that's what's fun is everybody's experiences and where they're at are are different. So some people, TLP Academy is definitely the right decision. For others, one-on-one coaching is, is the right decision. And so I think for you and your situation, you had a lot of room to grow where you could get a lot out of TLP Academy. And in a way, it almost made the coaching experience even more effective because you already had a decent foundation so that we were able to really jump ahead. What's fun for me as a coach is that every situation is so different. And there's some people where you start working together and it's a very realistic goal to double their collections or production in in 12 months. You know, there's a lot that we can do. And others where there's some more simple goals like cutting back. So with you, that was what was fun for me is that your practice was already doing very well. You had very healthy cash flow. You really were just looking to really push it to the next level as far as cutting back to three days a week, continuing to push for even a little bit higher production and collections and to try and, and decrease overhead. Anyway, that's what's exciting is that you know everybody's situation is different. And I think for you, because you're able to apply everything in the academy pretty well, we were able to tailor very specifically to your goals and to really to help you to reach those things. And that's where you're you're pretty much there now, right? You're at three days a week, and and all of those things have happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was actually when you when you invited me on the podcast, I went back and I looked at because we you do a goal sheet for TLP Academy, and then you do a goal sheet for. One-on-one coaching, and I looked at my goal sheet for TLP Academy, and my five-year goal was pretty much what we hit in uh, first year of coaching. So that was <laughs> that was pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> it is really cool, and I I think that's one thing that's so fun about the process. Hiring a coach in anything is that really what you're paying for is to accelerate your success. I think probably most of our clients could get to where where they want to be on their own. But instead of it taking five years on their own, we can do it in a year or two. And then that means that by the time they get to five years, their goals and expectations are way higher than they were before.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So let's go into a little bit. You mentioned leadership being a big thing. And that is, I think that is one area that is a huge part of one-on-one coaching because it is something that has to be very tailored. You can talk about specific principles in leadership, but a lot of times we don't recognize in ourselves what our strengths and our weaknesses are until we're able to talk through our challenges and our obstacles with others. And when we can do that, we get some insight that we wouldn't have got just on our own. That's always a very big focus in coaching. So, you know, I was looking back to on some of the things that we worked through in your practice. And I think a big one that I think of in the beginning was addressing conflict between staff members. Yeah. I don't know if you had any thoughts that came to mind, but in my opinion, you've changed a lot as far as how you handle those things between your staff members.
1: I think generally as like the type of person that a dentist is, we tend to be pretty non-confrontational. And I think then that like leads to these bigger explosions, these bigger issues. And when you kind of took me and focused me more on, oh, the assistant said this to a patient. Okay, well, right after that, you pull them aside. you say, okay, why don't we try this? Or just kind of nipping it in the bud when it's a simple little thing and then one the employee doesn't feel like you're beating their nose with a with a newspaper or something and then they feel more like you're trying to help them improve and then also like I ask my staff to critique me like I'm not perfect all the time with patients so if I'm always asking for their feedback and I'm also giving them my feedback and we haven't had conflict in the office in a in a pretty long while and I think that that really goes a long way, and especially when employees see that you're always on top and overseeing everybody that they really don't feel like, oh, this person's not pulling their weight or this person's not doing this or I do this so much better because you're kind of, you're coaching them all to really get to the same place.
0: Yeah, those are really great points. I think, in my opinion, the number one principle that you just shared is humility, The fact that you are asking your team for critical feedback is just something that a lot of people in leadership positions never do. And for the most part, we think of a leader and we think that a leader has to be perfect and always know, call the right shots and always be making the right decisions. The reality is people want to see a leader that's humble, a leader that can, can apologize when they make mistakes and admit that they're not perfect, you being able to do that is huge. And I think the other thing that you mentioned is, which again I think comes across through humility, is when you need to deal with a staff member as far as confrontation or something like that, address something with them, we change how we approach it from, like you said, hitting them on the on the nose with a newspaper to more almost like we're putting our arm around them and say, hey, we're on the same team here. Here is the issue. How do we work through that? You know, are we happy with the outcome or would we do it differently next time? And when when you can change that and create a team feeling, it's so good at encouraging teamwork. Everybody, let's put our heads together and come up with a solution rather than somebody is the leader and telling everybody else what to do and what's wrong and everything.
1: I think what goes along with that is in the, the culture in the office. It's a lot happier office. It's a lot more positive and patients feel that. Like, I mean, every day new patients will come in and they say, wow, this office just feels different. Everybody's happy. Like your assistant, when she was taking my x-ray said that this is the greatest job she's ever had. And, you know, while we've <laughs> we've kind of instructed them to say things like that, but they, you know, I think it's also, it's also genuine.
0: Yeah. Those are great points, and sometimes I mean, sometimes it's a it's a fake it till you make it. Sometimes when we can say those things, then we start to believe it, and then you actually do believe it, and then you do enjoy your job, and you do you know all those things. So it's it's kind of a, a combination, and uh, kind of works together that way.
1: Yeah, it just makes life easier.
0: Yeah. Any other examples that come to mind as far as how you grew as a leader in your practice? Yeah,
1: I mean. It might might sound like we never have conflict or issues in the office and that everything just runs smoothly all the time, but there's always going to be issues and your team members are, they have lives and a lot of times, you know, especially now where the cost of groceries are going up, gas is going up, everything. And, you know, when they come and ask me for a raise, I mean, it's what, before I started with you, it was like this, this terrifying, terrifying thing. And now it's like, it's more of a constructive thing. And it's. Yeah, absolutely. We can give you a raise. It's, we just need to figure out a way for you know the practice to bring in more revenue. So, what if we had a goal of you of maybe you know converting more uh, Invisalign patients or things like that? And I actually had a situation with my front desk guy who was actually my assistant when I started out of school. He was my assistant, and uh, so a little bit after I opened. I hired him to kind of be my treatment coordinator and coming from Aspen is like, we relied so heavily on them. So he was like, I mean, I kind of used him as a crutch and he just sold all the treatment and he was very, very good at it. And he had come and asked me for a raise and I kind of gave him some things to accomplish and he wasn't accomplishing them. And so we kind of were pushing his raise off and then all of a sudden the cash box started getting a little light. I kind of reviewed some camera footage and then I asked him straight out and he admitted to taking it. And I remember talking to you about it. And it was like with a team of four, it's like, when you lose one person, I mean, that's a, that puts a huge, huge dent in, in your operation. And you're like, no, you that's inexcusable. You can't tolerate that. Like he he needs, he needs to go tomorrow morning. And so I let him go and kind of let the chips fall. And my other three employees kind of rallied and, We limped along a little bit until we found someone new, but we made it and we ended up being stronger because of it.
0: I mean, that was a tough experience for you to go through and a tough conversation for us to have. And sometimes that's difficult because I know that I understand, you know, I know how difficult that is to lose someone. And he was a valuable team member, but that's one thing that I try and do in coaching is give my honest feedback. And in that situation, I just felt like there's no... There's no coming back from that one. He needs to be let go. Yeah. The team needs to know that this behavior was wrong and that it's not going to be tolerated. As hard as the repercussions are going to be, this is the right move. We got to do it. I knew
1: I had to let him go. I just with the small team size. I was like, okay, I've got to find my backup before I, or my next person before I let him go. And he said, no, absolutely not. Like, you, you have to do this. And we did. And yeah, I mean, that, that was tough, but... It just needed to happen yeah. and now where we've grown from it is there's no longer one person in my office that has one specific job and nobody else can do it like now we all work on consults and we all know how to talk to patients about money so we've really grown from it
0: yeah that's excellent that takes a long time to get to that point and so when you do that it just creates a lot more harmony in the office knowing that everybody can pitch in and help where they need to yep Let's talk a little bit just about one of the biggest benefits that I feel in the experience is just increased accountability. Tell me a little bit of your experience, because that is a big difference going from TLP Academy to coaching. TLP Academy is all on your own, which is great, but the accountability can definitely help out. What's your take on it?
1: You saved me so many times. I mean, it's, it's a little, when you're on your own, it's easy to kind of take your foot off the gas, especially when, when things are going well. If things are going well, you just kind of feel like, oh, yeah, now I'm on, on easy street and I can relax and, you know, the patients will keep coming and the money will keep coming and everything will continue to go as it as it has. And that's kind of when you start to see things decline a little bit. And so to have you there and and to kind of push me and kind of call me like, call me out when I'm, when I'm getting a little lazy and I'm not doing things the way that I should be or the way that I had been, then you were always there.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that.
1: So probably the the biggest example of that, that I can think of is most of my friend group is dentists and I've tried to get away from, I mean, we all kind of get together and a lot of my friends just kind of gripe about some of the challenges that they have. And I was going to do that with you a little bit because I had fired my marketing company and it was kind of a last second decision and i didn't have a new one lined up and my new patient numbers dropped by about 40% and i was like oh i was blaming it on the marketing i was blaming it on you know the economy inflation and all that and you're i was like man derek have you have you seen a decline in demand and you're just like i don't even think about that you're like that's i i choose you know i'm not going to have a limiting mindset i'm just going to be on top of this, I'm gonna do everything I can for the patients that come through my door. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna like, be down in the dumps with me. And you're just like, No, like, <laughs> cut this nonsense out. And you got to, you know, do what you're doing with the patients that that come through the door. And, you know, you'll get the marketing figured out. And you just kind of have to stick with it and stick with your goals.
0: Yeah, the reality is, the market is going to go up and down, there's going to be up years and down years, and there's going to be concerns and All of that is going to happen. But we have no control over any of that. A few episodes ago, I did an episode just talking about focusing on what you have control over. And if we don't have control over any of those things, we should try and just keep those thoughts out of our mind. What we can control is our effort and how we try and prevent those things from affecting our practices. Maybe we hit the marketing harder if we foresee some of that. Maybe because we know that a certain month is worse, we just take off an extra week of vacation in that month. So those are all things that we can do to be proactive and to focus on what we can change. That is one thing that's tough in coaching is that you're trying to find a balance between being encouraging and understanding, but also pushing the client. For me, I know that it's a big expense because I've done it and I've spent the money on it and I'm still spending money on coaching now. But I think because I know that the expense is a sacrifice, I don't want to cut anyone short. I want everyone to get their, their money's worth and the value out of this experience. And the only way that that happens is by me really doing my best to be honest and to point out errors where I think there's opportunity to grow if I'm not willing to do that, then, you know, I, I can't feel good about what I'm bringing to the table
1: throughout the whole time. It's like, I I thought of you as a friend and, but one of the the best things I appreciate and probably like the best part of your friendship would be that you're there to call me out. You're not going to let me, you're not going to tolerate my BS and you're not going to let me allow it in my office.
0: Right. ultimately, It's a tough experience to go through, but that is a huge reason why this experience accelerates your success. Because like you said, when you're in there on your own, a lot of times you're not going to see those things. One thing that I like about, we do a, a monthly coaching form that you fill out, the client fills out and sends to us before we have our review session. And one of the things that we always fill out, the client always fills out is, to rank your effort from one to 10, rank yourself on how much effort you're putting forth to hit your goals. And that's always a good indicator. I feel like most clients are usually pretty pretty honest with themselves. And without taking the time to reflect on that, a lot of times we wouldn't even necessarily register that on a scale. There's no metric for that. If we're looking at our key indicators or for the month or whatever, there's nothing really there for that. And so when you're sitting down with someone every month that knows and that you, know, you set goals with the month before and you know you've got to share how much effort you've been putting forward, it's a really good time to reflect and to think. And a lot of times you'll realize that you've gotten distracted with something or, or taking your foot off the gas. And because you're forced to face up to those things, you can make adjustments if there's no process set up for that, you won't realize it. And in a way you kind of settle into mediocrity without even knowing it.
1: It's amazing how such a simple thing, taking note of of how you're feeling and how you're doing, it's the first and biggest step in changing it.
0: Jared, I'm gonna ask you another couple questions just about kind of advice that you have to others or any other big takeaways that you wanna share. But before that, I just wanna ask, what's next for you? So now that you've grown, you've got a very successful practice, you've got a very ideal lifestyle. Are you kind of on cruise control and happy with where you're at? Or what are the things that are motivating you now to continue to push?
1: I'm kind of approaching a, a crossroads, I guess. I mean, I'm right now in my life, I'd say I'm happy with where I am. I'm very, very happy with where I am. I'm I'm incredibly blessed but I do always think about what's next. And I know that we've talked about this. I have kind of toyed around with the thought of a second practice, but I think that my practice, this practice, we can collect more, we can decrease our overhead. And so that's where, that's where I'm going to focus. Cause I think that that's where the biggest bang for, for my, my time and energy is.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's a really great position to be in to feel really good, where you're at and to be kind of mulling ideas through your head of of the direction that you want to go. So I don't know. I just feel this sense of happiness and what's that? There's like a German word for, uh, there's two German words. One is schadenfreude, which is like when you, when you feel glad about others having (laughs) bad, bad things happen in your life. And then there's the other one. that's like getting Freude or fitting Freude or something like that. Anyway, that word basically meaning just that you feel genuine happiness and joy when you see success in others. And that's really what I genuinely feel for you. It's so fun to see growth and to see you at a point where you're really happy with life and things in the practice are going so well.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, that's like I said, I'm very, very blessed and I'm very, very grateful to you and to TLP because I mean, you guys have really, really accomplished a lot for me and helped me accomplish
0: a lot. Well, thank you. So let's get to the last two questions. First, uh, I was just going to ask you, is is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything that you feel like you have kind of a different perspective on dentistry or you think can be missed by a lot of those out in the dental industry?
1: I'm in a pretty competitive area of West Palm Beach. I mean, on on my cross streets, there are three dentists within those four corners. There's three other dentists. There's probably another three or four within spitting distance. So it's very, very competitive. And one of the things that I've really, I think I've kind of mastered is marketing. I mean, I took some other courses and things and it was everybody preaches about targeting soccer moms. And, you know, it's like every dentist chases this one segment of the population, which is really only 50% less if you're really considering mothers that patient pool tends to do a pretty good job of caring for their teeth. So what I've kind of figured out is, is everybody is in this tiny little pond. Well, maybe a bigger pond, but they're fishing for like bluegills. Well, I target men and I, I target working class, middle-aged men. And I found that I'm sitting in this pond all by myself and I'm, I'm catching monster fish. Like, yeah, I might not catch fish all day long, but I'm going to I'd rather catch a giant bass than I would catch 10 bluegills. So, I mean, that's, that's where <laughs> yeah. I've really, really done well. My market has kind of forced me to do that. But it's also like with what you teach, I mean, you don't have to be in like this rural area. I know that that's what a lot of people think. But, I mean, if you can take the success that you've taught other people and you can teach it to me where I'm in a competitive market, I mean, you've you've really figured it out.
0: Uh, yeah, a lot of great points. I think a lot of people, kind of like what you were saying before, we like to t- get together and talk about how our situation is really tough and console each other and, and stuff. But really, the principles that make you successful in one area are going to work in a lot of different areas. There's going to be different ways that you'll pivot with that, but the principles are the same. Yeah. A quick Side note into that, that is one thing that I was very impressed with you as a client is a lot of clients that I work with are are very hesitant to spend money on marketing. And you have always been very willing to spend money on something to try. And you've looked at it more as, as a process. We want to look at it as an ROI, but you almost have to look at it as a bigger picture ROI. Rather than just viewing every little individual ROI on marketing efforts, we have to look at almost our marketing as a whole and realize that it's only because you were willing to spend money on maybe some of the soccer moms that helped you realize how you can catch the big bass. And even though that may have been a low ROI, that played a role in helping you find your bigger ROI really to kind of nail down your target market.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I spent a lot of money on marketing, figuring out what, what didn't work or what brought me patients that I wasn't super happy with.
0: Last question. What advice would you give to others, whether that's somebody in dental school or the new grad that was working at an Aspen or somebody that's new in ownership? What kind of general principles would you share as you are now kind of on the other end of all that with a successful practice and really happy with where you're at?
1: I would have to say, you know, just just slow down, take your time. I mean, understand that new patients are the kind of the lifeblood of your practice. And so that's really where the bulk of your time and energy should be spent. But also stay on top of staff, constant conversations. Until they are exactly what you want them to be, there should be a conversation that's just critically important. Treatment plan comprehensively. In my office, there's no such thing as a limited exam unless they're here for an hour on a <laughs> on a vacation or something. We treatment plan everything. And the staff is there and they are trained to do exactly what they need to do. And I think that if you just stay on top of that, the new patients, I mean, obviously focus on doing sound clinical work and making sure that it lasts because having to fix things is expensive <laughs> and time consuming. But yeah, if you just stay on top of that, and then obviously reach out to Derek or reach out to some kind of a coach and and always look at, at improving yourself.
0: Yeah, thank you. You've got a unique perspective going from a time period where your first couple years in dentistry, you had this plethora of new patients. So you really did not have to have high case acceptance to stay busy. You never really had to be critical of yourself. And so going through a startup where every new patient was so valuable forced yep. you to to really go through that process. So that's it's really cool hearing your perspective in that way. So thanks for that advice.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure working together and I'm really looking forward to see where life takes you. I have I have no doubt that you're going to have a, an amazing life and be able to achieve anything else that you want to.
1: Thank you, Derek. That means a lot to me and I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast and to maybe help some other people who are struggling.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Hope you were able to glean some ideas from this episode. Jared, if anybody is listening and has questions, is there a way that you'd be comfortable with people reaching out and asking for advice?
1: You can text or email. That's really the best way. I I really avoid social media, so I'm not really on any of that. I think it kind of distracts from my life. But yeah, text or email. I'm happy to, I'm happy to hop on a phone call too. I mean, Startups are difficult, and it's always good to have somebody to talk to and talk about. Everybody pretty much has the same challenges.
0: Yeah. All right. So, what's your? Uh, you gonna give out your cell phone and your email on on the show? <laughs> so my
1: my cell phone number is two six two three eight five seven three five nine. My email is j which is s c h m i t t d m d at gmail dot com.
0: What a guy. That's a uh... very generous of you appreciate it yeah thanks derek all right everybody have a great weekend and we will talk to you next time